Well, glory to God. Wonderful to think that the body of Jesus Christ is much more than just the physical body of Jesus, but it unifies us that we can think of one another from the platform of no distance where we can become one. Now, <clears throat> today we are going to talk a little bit uh, more about the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Now, there were um, in the last two weeks a lot of talk about the helmet of salvation, even in our web, uh, web groups or face-to-face -face groups, um, where uh, there was a little bit of I would say confusion maybe, or people not really knowing what am I saying or what is my take on healing and those kind of things. Uh, for it seemed to some as if I'm saying that there is no such a thing as uh, that we can expect healing right now and that it's just like a hit and miss, we just hope we get healed, you know, um, kind of a thing and that Jesus didn't bring healing for us today. Now, <clears throat> I am not saying that at all. Uh, the Bible clearly says, go and heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. And there is a lot to say about that. Uh, so I just want you to know that if you've got sickness in your body, you can expect healing. Uh, and you can boldly go to the throne room of grace and speak to the Lord about uh, your health and have a confident expectation concerning healing for your own body. Uh, what I am saying is that hope that is seen is not hope. In other words, when God came and, and when the Bible talks about the hope of a Christian or the Christian hope, he's not talking about healing, signs and wonders or the supernatural. What we have done with hope is we have put hope in a category where it does not belong. We are hoping for a revival. And what we do is we take what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross and then we want to apply it to this life and then say, because of what Jesus has done upon the cross, there must be a revival. And then we will quote some verses to try and get God to bring forth the revival. And uh, we've got this hope that, man, I hope I get healed or I hope God will provide for me or all those kind of things. Listen, <clears throat> like the verse I read uh, in the beginning, God will take care of you. And he, that He has promised already. It's a given. It's already in the here and now. Now the Bible is clear on uh, Romans 8 that uh, why do you hope for what you already have? We already have signs, wonders and miracles. We already have healing for our body. We already have the gifts of the Spirit. We already have outpourings where we see uh, so-called revivals uh, manifesting. We already have that. So why do you hope for what you have? For hope that is seen is not hope. For what do you hope for what you have? So what is hope? And what is the effect that hope will have on your life? Now, let us go and look at some verses. We're going to look at Ephesians uh, 6 verse 17. And we are talking about spiritual warfare. So when we talk about spiritual warfare, we're talking about something that is important. We're talking about a battle that we can be in. We're talking about something that wants to destroy. There's something that wants to destroy your life, take life away from you, and God wants you to have life. Now, let us look at Ephesians 6 verse 17. It says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now it says there, Take the helmet of salvation. Okay, so 
what is this helmet of salvation? Let's go to another place, two verses where the Bible talks about this helmet of salvation. It says, but since we belong to the day, let's be sober. It talks about having a sober mind here. We must put on the breastplate of faith and love and the hope of salvation as helmet. The hope of salvation as helmet. Now people, that is a very important verse there. Um, there is no meaningless details in the Bible. And we can clearly see it says that we should put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. So what is this helmet of salvation? It is the hope that we have in a salvation that can still take place or another way in which we can word it is the hope that we have on account of the fact that we are saved by what Christ has done for us. Okay, now let's look at that verse again. This is what it says. It says, but since we belong to the day, let's be sober. We must put on the breastplate of faith and love and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Now, 1 Peter 1.13 Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, people, that verse there, and just look me in the eye, you know, it is, <laughs> that verse talks about a futuristic event. And what Peter does and what Paul does, it actually says that should we have hope in this futuristic event, it will, we are protecting the loins of our mind. What that means is, should we have the correct hope? Should we have the hope that, um, that in, in a correct way, it, we will protect our minds against the enemy that wants to bring in, a, a, you know, poison to our mind, that wants to attack our mind. And we know that in this life, the greatest battlefield is in the mind. It is what we think, what we believe. Um, we clearly know 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 talks about the very same thing. You know, bringing into subjection every thought that wants to exalt itself above the knowledge of Christ. So there's a certain knowledge that is in Christ and there's a thought that wants to exalt itself above the knowledge of Christ. So um, let me not make this complicated. I see I'm already running off into certain things here um, that might sound complicated. But all I want to say and what I want to uh, show forth is the, sim the simplicity of this verse. And this is what it says. And we take this from all three verses. There's a helmet of salvation. And what is this helmet of salvation? It is the hope of salvation. So the helmet... Of salvation is the hope of salvation. What is this hope? To be sober and hope to the end for the grace. What is this hope? It is hope for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is that when Christ returns, something shall be revealed in us. What does reveal means? Reveal means it's already there. It will just be revealed. So, God has come and has given eternal life unto every one of us. We who believed in Christ, we have received the Spirit 
of this life, the Spirit of life. He came and indwells us. When the Holy Spirit indwells us, what happens? This Spirit brings forth fruit in our life. That very same Spirit will then manifest immortality in us. Let us look at that verse again. <clears throat> this is what it says. Wherefore, gird the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the hope to the end. In other words, don't let go of the hope. Hope until the day Jesus comes or until the day you die. What must we hope for? For the grace that is to be brought. In other words, there's a grace that is to be brought. There's something, some futuristic event unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So at the return of Christ, there is something that will be brought to us. What is that? That is immortality. That is what we hope for. So, the Christian hope is not a hope that is found in, I hope I get healed, I hope a miracle happens, I hope God will provide for me. That is not the Christian hope. If you put your hope in that, your hope is in the wrong thing. You cannot hope for what you have already received. The Bible says whatsoever you believe you have received, that you will have in this life. So has God come and brought healing for our bodies? Yes. Has God come and already brought financial provision for us in Christ? Yes. So our hope is not in that. Our hope is in what will happen in the future. You cannot hope for what you have already received. And what we, will, what we hope for determine, determines our emotion today. And that is the power of hope. And that will protect your mind. Now, I'm sorry that I'm doing this over and over. And you might say, Beth, you're repeating yourself too many times. But I want you to, um, to, to look at the, this verse in Peter once again. It says there in verse 13 clearly, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That word loins there talks about um, basically the seed that is inside a man. You know, so, and, and that seed, when you talk about the loins, you talk about the loins of Abraham. The Bible says Levi was still in the loins of Abraham when Abraham met Melchizedek. You know, um, when he came back from the slaughter where he conquered Cedar Lyomer. So here it talks about that same word, loins, the loins of your mind, the seed of your mind, the seed that produces fruit in your mind. What it's actually saying is protect the word of God in your mind by being sober and having a confident expectation of the return of Christ and that you will have perfection in the return of Christ. Now how does that protect your mind? How does that protect your mind? People, if we are expecting perfection today, we are in trouble. And we will be open for all forms of legalism and judgment. And we will be open for questions that we cannot answer. And we will actually be so tempted to go back to legalism uh, that it will almost be impossible to resist. Jesus Christ, when he was in the desert, and, and this is a good example, <clears throat> Jesus Christ, when he was in the desert, what did Satan offer him? 
Satan said to him, If you bow down and worship me, I will give you all these kingdoms. If you go and read uh, some church history, if you go and read um, some, some, even some other books of the Bible that was taken out of the Bible, some of the, Apocry uh, some of the Apocrypha and those kind of things, you will see that the concept, even in the, um, yeah, the concept is that Adam, when he sinned, he basically submitted to Satan and then the kingdom that was given to man was then under the rule and power of Satan. And that Satan came to Jesus and Je what did Jesus come to do? He came to establish his kingdom. And he came to take away the power from the devil. So now, what Satan does is he offers Jesus something in the here and now, which he would only have, you know, after the baptism of John, you know, and the resurrection. The baptism of John, the death and the resurrection. So, here he was baptized, he took sin upon him, then he would die and be raised up again and you would find him sitting and ruling, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool, for the kingdom belongs to him. You know, so everything in heaven and earth has been given to Christ. We see that in the resurrection. He comes and he declares that to his, um, to his disciples. But what does Satan want to do? He wants to say, have it in the here and now. Have what was meant in the resurrection for the here and now. Because... If he could bring that to Jesus, Jesus would start to think, but what's wrong? I don't see everything manifesting the way it's supposed to manifest, you know, since the kingdom is now mine, since I'm worshipping Satan. In the very same way, what Satan would want you to do is to take what, what is supposed to be yours in the resurrection of Christ or in his return and tell you, you can have it now. And that, by doing that, and, and please hear, hear me, um, by doing that, you will start to wonder why does things sometimes go wrong in life. You will wonder, why am I some, sometimes ill? Why do I always fight with somebody? Why is there always people differing? Why is there always uh, somebody in this life that would just just doesn't like your face why is it that in this life that you've 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 prayed and you've seen a miracle and the miracle manifested in your life but now you see your daughter is ill or your son is ill and you pray for them and then you don't see a miracle you go to the doctor and is healed through the doctor and god healed the child through the doctor but it still cost you uh, five thousand rand or a thousand dollars or whatever you still sit with that in this world. You, you still need to put fuel in the car. And then the, the, the anguish that's around finances and the pressure of finances and all those kind of things, you're still having it in this life. Um, man, I can just use an example of myself. Uh, here I am, uh, Eliana and I, our passion is to preach the gospel. We've planted churches all over the world. You know, um, be, it, be it through the web, be it traveling to nations, planting churches, whatever. We've planted churches. We've, we've ministered to people on a broad scale. And then we will start more churches. And as we start a new church, you always find somebody upset, somebody angry, you know, somebody getting hurt. But we just want to be good. Why are some people getting hurt? Maybe we don't communicate 
perfectly. Maybe we haven't said the right thing at the right time. It's almost as if there's a limitation on us. Um, we, we doesn't matter how pure the motive is. I could have used a better word in a certain place. Or Eliana could have said something in a different way. Or whatever. And we find that other people have got their uh, way of looking at things. And I, we, we sit with people that's grown up in a certain background that's maybe from a different nation and they see things in a, in a certain way. Some people might have had uh, very unstable homes. Uh, I might have come out of an unstable house. I've got certain things that speak to me and I follow certain logics and we speak and, and we misunderstand one another and there's hurt and pain and those kind of things. You sort it out and start to come right. We see all of that. Yet we are in the grace of God. Yet we are in a place where we, we've got a pure motive to love. But we find all this arguing, fighting, car breaking. Um, you know, uh, sometimes you be become ill. You, you resist it in the name of Jesus. You become healed. And you think, you know, what? why was that? Why couldn't I have just been perfectly healed, never have any attack on my body whatsoever? Well, if you want that, I want to tell you, if you want a place where you never feel an attack on your body concerning health, where you never fight with anybody, where you always have perfect financial stability, where everybody always speaks nice to you and you always say the right thing, I want to tell you, my friend, if that's your hope and you've got that hope that Christ will bring that to you in this life, you will have hope deferred, your heart will become sick, for you are expecting to have something that will be in the return of Christ. You've got false hope. That's what you have. You will have false hope. Now, guys, I, I, let me use the word hope now again. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Because what we've done is we have created this perfect world on account of what Christ has done for us. And we basically saying that everything is, ta is, is in the here and now. And because we say everything is in the here and now, we find it is not. And because it is not, we get into uh, self-judgment. We get into um, depression. We try and find what's wrong with us. We try and find what's wrong with others. We, it's almost like uh, uh, Job, you know, when he was having all the sores and all those kind of things. You know, what have I done wrong? Why did this happen? And all the kind of things. And then having friends surrounding him, looking into the situation, trying to judge what's wrong, what's wrong, you know. And all of Job's friends gave him wrong advice. All of them did. In the very same uh, way, we today, we want to analyze things that we, which I think is just, part of this life, part of mortality. If we say that we don't have immortal human bodies, and if we say that the full glorification has not manifested in this earth, then we have to accept that that which is assigned to mortal life will be in our life. Uh, let me use some people that I've got great respect for as an example. Let's, let's use um, Kenneth Hagen uh, for an example. Kenneth Hagen 
believed in divine health, believed in healing, uh, preached health, healing and all those kind of things, the word of faith. And a lot of people benefited greatly from him. But his last, in his last days, what he did was, um, the one day when he passed away, he went and sat at the table. And I, I, if I have the story correct, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, sat at the table, said, I'm a bit tired. Um, I don't know if he stood up and went to bed and passed away or just sat there in the chair and died. At the end of the day, we find that Kenneth Hagen became old. His strength weakened. He was not as strong as what he was when he was 20 years of age. And we found decay in his body to the point that his heart stopped beating and his spirit left his body. This guy, I, I mentioned him for I've got great respect for him. In the very same way, I want to tell you that if we want in this life, want to see everything perfect now, you're going to have your heart broken. You're going to have your heart become sick with legalism and law. And you will not have joy. You will not have long-suffering. You will not have kindness. You will not have faithfulness. You will want to give up, you know, because you struggle with certain things in this life. Let us have a look at Scripture. You know, I've said a lot, but let us just have a look at Scripture. Um, Romans chapter 8. Just find the right verse here. I'm sorry, it was not at, it was supposed to be at the right verse. Verse 23 and 24. Listen to this. What is the hope that we have? And not only they, but ourselves also. Um, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So what is the Apostle Paul saying here? He's saying that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. So he's saying that there is a suffering that he's going through in this present life um, that cannot be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. And one might say that this only shows to persecution. Well, we'll have a look at that and see if it's true. Verse 19, it says, For the earnest expectation of creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him that subjected it in hope. So he says here that the creature was subjected in hope. In other words, creation that is subject to, to decay, also it's got a hope. What is this hope? This hope is that Creation will be glorified with the glory we have. Verse 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation groans and travails in pain together until now. So what does it say about creation? Creation is experiencing discomfort. It even uses the word pain there. Then it goes on and says something that 
we don't want to hear sometimes, but this is what it says. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit. We guys that have the Holy Spirit already, and we that have seen the first fruit of the Spirit, you know, in our born-again life where we see the, the, the gifts of healing and all those kind of things manifesting. Even we have seen miracles, signs and wonders and healings take place in our life. Even we, what do we do? We ourselves, um, we have this first word, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. What is this groaning? Groan and travail in pain. There's a discomfort that we have. Waiting for what? Waiting for the adoption to witness the redemption of our body. So what is he talking about here? He's talking about a redemption of our body, something that must still take place. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for it? So it talks about something that we are going through, you know, that where we say, man, even if I see signs, wonders and miracles, even in that which we have received, financial breakthrough, provision, healings and all those kind of things, there is still something that says it can go better. It can go well. There's still something that says um, there's more. And what is the more? And what should we do about the more? God came and declared what the more is. The more is that we will have an immortal body in the return of Christ. Therefore, everything in this life that declares that we are not immortal and that we are imperfect in certain areas of our life doesn't have any voice anymore for we don't find our hope in this life anymore. The Apostle Paul even goes on and he says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if we as Christians only have our hope in this life, we're the most miserable of all people. Why? Because they were persecuted. They, were, they, they didn't have, a lot of them didn't even have proper jobs. They were uh, uh, excommunicated from the, uh, the, the, the temple. They were thrown out. They were in poverty, especially the Apostles. They didn't even have clothes. Some of them didn't even have food. They, they were really going through a hard time. And they said, well, if our hope was in this life, if our hope was that in this life, I am as a man of God, God is going to have everything and is going to go so well with me that, you know, I'll be shining with the glory of God. And everybody would say, you know, look how wealthy the Apostle Paul is. Look how healthy the Apostle Paul is. His body is in perfect condition. He doesn't even age. Look at the Apostle Paul. You know, we are now, man, look at him. Look at the expectation he had and what Christ brought forth for him. No, the Apostle Paul said, if, if we had hope in Christ only in this life, we would be the most pitiable of all people. He even goes on and says, we as apostles, we are seen as sheep for the slaughter. He was, he was beaten up. He was persecuted. He was lied about. He was going through hard times. And why was he experiencing all of that? Because he was not living in heaven. He was living in an earth wherein there was no and is no perfection. We are awaiting perfection. We are awaiting the revelation of Christ where He reveals Himself to us 
wherein we will have perfection. And since we know that we don't see perfection today, we are not dismayed and discouraged when we see the things that are accounted to a life of not having perfection. Now, people, <clears throat> you might be saying, but Bertie, you know, you are taking away my hope. No, no, I'm giving you hope. And I'm taking away false hope. You see, what has happened in the world is, before we received the Lord Jesus, our hope was that I will just have a healthy, wealthy life where none of my children ever um, push me away, where everybody always loved me, where I live in peace and everything is just going so well for me. That is what we, the, the hope we had when we were unsaved. And everything was in the house and the car and the money and the st financial stability and, and, and our stability in, in our health. That's what we wanted. Then we got saved. And then we think, well, since I'm a Christian, now I can have peace because God will give me now those things. And then we start to see the gifts of the Spirit and the charismatic move and the Pentecostal move. And we say, well, now that I can pray in tongues and be baptized and have, now I'm going to have all these things. And since I now know I can have all these things, I've got excitement for God is going to give me all these earthly things. And I'm going to have joy for I can have all these things. My friend, your confidence is still in the flesh. Now, I'm not saying and I've said this many times. We have already have now financial provision. But let me tell you, let me put it this way. If God puts a million dollars into your account, guess what? You're going to have a certain stress that comes with that money. Because now your family wants that money. The, 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 the poor man that knows you got a hold of that money wants that money. You need to give money to certain people. You don't know who to give, who not to give to. And you're going to have certain tribulation, if you want to call it that way, around that. Because this is not heaven. And what happens now is we want to look at those things and the normal troubles of this world. And we want to say, what's wrong with us? Lord, what have I done wrong? And it steals your joy. It steals your, your confidence before God and you're going through hard times. And it penetrates your mind and your mind is not protected because you've taken a hope. You, 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 you lost your hope. You can lose hope by me telling you you cannot have the resurrected body. That's one way of, of, of losing hope. Another way of losing hope is by telling, telling you you already have it now. And that not being the truth. You'll have an expectation that cannot be fulfilled now. So, what are we doing? I am, I am awaiting immortality. That is what I expect. And while I don't see immortality, what do I expect? I expect that I will have a life in normal mortal flesh, which is accompanied by signs, wonders and miracles, healings, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and the normal things of this life. That's just the way it is. You know, I can sit here by the Holy Spirit, super anointed, preach, and this neighbor's dog is barking and it irritates me. You know, because um, I don't want him to bark, for I don't want people to hear a dog barking in the background all the time, and that takes your attention away from what I want to say, for I want you to understand what I say. Do you understand that? 
you, you heard five or ten minutes ago, the dog was barking. I just put the microphone down a little bit so that we can't pick him up. But for those of you that did hear the dog bark, that's the way it is, you know. As I'm preaching here right now, you know, there was just somebody trying to get into the office door. You know, I want to walk in here. Um, and then he will come in here, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. This is part of life. And now I can sit here and the Holy Spirit can say, oh, Bertie, if you were really anointed, you know, then the people would have known, you know, and, and the glory of God would have been so powerful, they would have fallen down at the door of the office slain under the power and there will be a fire on the roof. Rubbish. Rubbish. Can that happen? Yes. But should that happen everywhere I go? No. It's not what the Bible teaches. So we will have the enemy trying to tell us, do these five things, pray like this, fast like this, worship works righteousness, and then you'll have what you can have in the immortal life right now. It will destroy your life. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Let's go back to Scripture um, quickly. Let's just look at the effects of hope. What is hope? Here we can see hope, um, point two at the bottom there, expectation of good hope in the Christian sense, joyful and confident expectation of eternal life. That is hope. And the different effects of hope. This is uh, by Dale Osher, um, his master's degree in psychology. He says, if I can find a way to package and dispense hope, I would have a pull more powerful than any antidepressant on the market. Hope is often the only thing between a man and the abyss. As long as an individual has hope, they can recover from anything and everything. However, if they lose hope, unless you can help them to get it back, all is lost. People, do you see what this guy says? He says, just in, from a psychological point of view, if you lose hope, you'll basically be in the abyss or kind of in death. Let us go to the next um, Next quote from Mary C. Lamia, um, who's got a PhD as well in psychology. This is what she says, and this is what I'm after. Hope structures your life in anticipation of the future and influences how you feel in the present. Similar to optimism, hope creates a positive mood about an expectation, a goal, or um, the future situation. Such mental time travel influences your state of mind and alters your behavior in the present. The positive feelings you experience as you look ahead, imagining hopefully what might happen, what you will attain or what you are going to be, can alter how you currently view yourself. People, that is absolutely important. Uh, we can't... Um, just throw that out. What, will, what the Apostle Paul was after and what he was actually saying was that this hope of, well, okay, maybe I don't have perfection in my flesh now, but it shall happen, gave you what dictates to you how you will feel. It gives birth to emotions on how you will feel right now when you see things that, that is not that good. And that is how we walk in victory. Those emotions the Bible calls long-suffering, it call, it's called things like contentment. Contentment. No house I live in can any way define me. So while I live in this house right now, you know, and I'm in this office where I'm right now, you know, I'm happy. 
I'm happy. What will happen if a miracle happens and I get a much nicer studio and those kind of things? What's going to happen then? Well, then I'm just going to be content there. For not even that studio can, can be in the category of the perfection that I'm awaiting. So what happens if I'm in that studio and the power goes off during a broadcast or the place would burn down for some reason, God forbid, but should it happen, what will happen? How will I feel about it? I will just feel as happy as what I felt when it was built. Why? Because my hope is not in how well my studio is, or in how long, how healthy I am, or how wealthy I am. My hope is in the immortal body, which will happen, which will manifest uh, 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 in the return of Christ. It can be while I'm alive, or even after I've died. I can actually come and say, oh death, where is your victory? You know, I can even go and say, you know, uh, um, Poverty, where's your voice? You might say, oh no, no, Bertie, God has promised us great riches in this life. Let me tell you, no amount of, the, the greatest riches compared to what Christ has died for is seen as poverty in this life. And let's go back to scripture, and I think I'm going to end off with this. Um, and there was so much, so much other stuff that I wanted to get to, but I think I've said enough. Let's go here to Romans. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay any charge against the elect of God? So what does he say here? Uh, um, what he's actually saying, people, is that God gave His Son and that He will freely also give us all things. Now, what is the all things He talks about there? He is now talking about immortality and talks about the salvation of the body. Um, this is verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or the sword. So in other words, what he is saying here is, shall the love of God that is inside our hearts, what will be able to separate us from the fact that God loves us? And what will be able to separate us from loving people? Nothing. Because our love in this life and the fruit we bear in this life is not connected to how it what we go through in this life, for our hope is not in this life, but our hope is in the resurrected Christ and nothing in this life defines that hope, is the fulfillment of that hope. The only thing that will fulfill that hope would be an immortal human body and while we see the things that's assigned to um, mortality, it cannot alter our emotion and our love for people. Here it says, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation? That is not persecution. It talks about tribulation. It talks, you know what tribulation is? Tribulation would mean you go through a tribulation where you lose stuff. Shall, when I go through great pressure, persecution or trouble, should I go through great pressure? What can be great pressure? You lose your job. Shall, when I lose my job, be able to separate me from loving people? No. 
Why? Because I've got this confident hope and the fact that I've lost my job cannot speak to my mind for my mind is protected in the hope that I have. And I cannot be defined by things of this world anymore. Let's go on. Tribulation, distress, calamity, a tsunami, persecution. Yes, persecution for righteousness now. Nakedness. Uh, this could be assigned to persecution or people not even having proper clothes. I'm thinking of the people in Africa. Some of them walk half naked. Can that separate them, the fact that they don't have a tuxedo? Can that separate them from loving with a passionate love of God? No. Peril or the sword? Nothing. And it goes on, as it's written, for your sakes we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Here is the apostle Paul and he goes along in jail having nothing and he can sing songs of worship for his hope is not in the things of this world what he sees in this world is a great joy in what Christ has given them let us just man, man I need to read more verses on that let me do that um, here it is hope it says there which hope we have as the anchor of our soul so, and then in Hebrews 6, it talks about the resurrection of Christ. It talks about the resurrected body. It says, this hope we have as the anchor of our soul. You so if you have a hope in the wrong thing, your hope will be deferred and your soul will not be anchored. Your mind would not be protected. Listen to the effect of hope in 1 John 3 verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall all future tense, see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies him as he is pure. You'll be purified by having this hope. You'll be purified from every onslaught of the devil that tells you, you see, you've got this shortcoming. You see, you've got, you, you, don't, you can't pay your rent because you're this bad or you haven't done that or God doesn't provide for you or you're not good enough or you see, you haven't received your healing yet. Why? Because of this and this and this. Or, you know, you've received the million dollars and you've got all this fighting and arguing around that because there's something wrong with you. You haven't heard God. All of those things, those voices can be there, you know. But now we, we have a pure mind and a pure heart. Why? Because we've got the hope that says, when He returns, we shall be like Him, for as He is, so are we now, and when we see Him for who He is, it shall be revealed. So, no shortcoming can define me as having a shortcoming. Glory to God. Romans 5 verse 2, By whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Do you see what he's saying there? He says, the, the glory of God, what is the hope of the glory of God? That we'll be become immortal. That we'll become immortal. The promise of the gospel is not that you will have Lear jets and all the cars and all those kind of things. It's not what God promised. That's not the hope of the gospel. It has been preached as the hope of the gospel and people got hurt. But now we can put the hope where the hope is supposed to be. And then when we do get the jet, and when we do have all those good things, it still doesn't have a voice. For we are not rejoicing in the car. 
like my son, he got this, a sponsorship, I think I said it last time, he got a sponsorship, uh, they're paying his studies for him for next year, he can go and study uni uh, uh, at university, and um, they don't cover everything, but I only have to pay like four or five thousand dollars for the year. The rest they pay. And he will have a, 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 after working, he'll have a great job with one of the best companies in South Africa. Do you know what that brings me? Do you know what? I'm grateful for that. But do you know what? That doesn't add to my joy. For my joy is not in him having a sponsorship. My joy is, my, my hope is in this, that I will have an immortal body and the power of the resurrection that's in me now has broken the power of sin over me, has broken this whole thought pattern where I am defined by what I do. Glory to God. Man, I should have switched over to the other, other camera already, but let's go to verse 5 here. It says, And hope makes not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Let me explain that verse to you. Hope makes not ashamed. It, it talks about, if you read Romans 5, it says persecution. It talks about distress. It talks about hard times. And he says, you know what? Hope, the hope, this hope that I have, that I will become immortal. And that I have the spirit in me now that will raise this body up into immortality doesn't make ashamed. It says it works. It's powerful for even in these things. I find the love of God shed abroad in my heart. I'm loving people. I'm generous. I'm giving. I find the fruit of the spirit. I'm healing the sick. I, I give my life even in the midst of all these things. And it is this hope that I have that I will be Immortal, where I find, where I don't find my identity in works anymore, for I know it's only something, it is something only Christ can bring, so I'm not tempted into works anymore. I find the fruit of that is love shed abroad in my heart, loving all people. Glory to God. Man, and there are even more scriptures along those lines, people, but um, man, I don't think I'm going to even read it. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let us not cut it short. Let's do it. Here it is. Listen to this. Seeing that, that we have such hope, we have great plainness of speech. What was giving, what, what gave Paul boldness to preach? The hope he had. He says, oh my goodness, we don't have to die. We can become immortal because when we saw Christ raised from the dead into immortality, that is the hope we have. Paul's hope wasn't in this shallow thing of just, you know, will I have money tomorrow? That's taken care of. We don't hope for that. We already have that. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith. In other words, you had this work of faith. Your labor of love, how you worked because of the love that was in you and the patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So look at the patience of hope. He, they patiently waits and has all the time patiently waited for Christ to bring forth perfection in the flesh in his return. Glory to God. Hebrews 6 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to, to the full assurance of the hope unto the end. To the full assurance. What, what gives you assurance in this life? The hope that I'll be made immortal and that I don't am not defined by what I drive, where I stay, or how healthy I am or not. Can I be healthy? Yes, I told you, and I've told it many times. It's a given that 
we have access to healing now. But that's not my hope to get healed. My hope is in immortality. Why will I be made immortal? Because that which brought death is taken out of the way. And what is that thing that brought death? The Bible says sin. And the power of sin is the law. And now that I am not under the law anymore, and that I know that the Spirit of God will raise me into immortality, you will not find me being tempted to go back to flesh. You will not be find, find me because to, to be tempted to go back into works righteousness. Why? For I know only the Spirit can make me immortal. So I live by the Spirit. And by the Spirit, we modify the deeds of the flesh in this life. Well, glory to God. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I would like to uh, end this off by praying for the sick and um, just stretching forth my hands and praying for an enlightened mind that you can see the love of God. Father, thank you so much that you care for us. I want to thank you for the healthy body I have. I want to thank you for the way you've cared for me financially. I want to thank you, Father, for the contentment that is poured out in my heart. I want to thank you, Lord, for a life that you've given to me and unto all people, wherein we can have the abundance of who you are living us. Thank you, Father, that I can just have a heart that, is, that, that, that can experience your life. I want to also now pray for everybody here that has got sickness in their body. I thank you for healing towards their body. You have given us the ability to do signs, wonders and miracles. And that is, we don't hope for healing. You've given us that power. Therefore, I, I declare you healed people in the name of Jesus. I declare your needs are met in the name of Jesus. And I also declare that the revelation of the hope of immortality, where nothing you receive in this life can be seen as the fulfillment of the resurrected Christ and what His hope was for us. Um, that when you see anything assigned to mortality, you will just find it falls off your back. That Satan cannot speak to you anymore. The loins of your mind is girded with the hope of immortality in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Guys, thank you so much. I trust that this has blessed you and that it brought greater understanding. Let us have our mind... Put on, let us put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. Amen. God bless.